Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. If you would, grab your Bibles. Genesis chapter 3 is where we are. Genesis chapter 3. And not last week, but a couple weeks ago, we did, uh, of course, uh, talk about the fall of man and the what happened between Eve and the serpent there, and then, of course, Adam giving it to Eve giving to Adam in Genesis chapter 3, and so uh, we'll go ahead and jump back in here in Genesis chapter 3 and cover the consequences. Uh, what happens when mankind sinned uh, and what has happened overall. And so, once again, we'll pick up verse number, uh, verse number 7, we'll start there and uh, read through the end of the chapter here. Of course, you know what happened in the first six verses with... Uh, of course, Adam and Eve and, and the serpent. And then verse 7, in the eyes of them, uh, Adam and Eve both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee? that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, And the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto, thy, unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou turn, return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, not to dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so we have uh, ultimately, right, the start of the chapter was Adam and Eve and their transgression. And then we move along and the rest of the chapter is uh, the judgment, ultimately the consequences for what Adam and Eve have done and what the serpent has done. And so this morning uh, we're going to look into the rest of this chapter here and just kind of look at the consequences in general for what sin uh, has occurred and what the consequences in particular were for Adam and Eve, the serpent, as well as for all of mankind. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll get in. Father, I thank you for the morning and we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your compassions upon us. I thank you that they're renewed every morning. 
and that they fail not. And Lord, we love you. We pray you would be with us this morning. Help us as we open the Word of God to uh, lighten our eyes. God, help us to see what we ought to see. And Father, maybe some things that I don't even say, but somebody sees, and, and you could just touch their heart with the words that you've prepared for them. Lord, once again, we pray you'd be with our pastor, his wife, their family, that you would just uh, take care of them, meet their needs even now. And Lord, once again, we pray you'd come back soon to take us home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are in Genesis chapter 3, and uh, Adam and Eve have sinned, and we've stepped into uh, the Lord showing up and the consequences that become, uh, that come about because of it. And uh, instead of starting with Adam and Eve, uh, we're going to go ahead and go right to the serpent first, and then we'll kind of work our way uh, backward. And the reason is uh, that the serpent uh, doesn't necessarily deal with you. We're going to get to us here in a little bit. Uh, But the serpent uh, starts off and his consequences. Notice in verses 14 and 15, the Lord goes ahead and uh, goes after the serpent. Now, uh, this guy, uh, of course, Satan as the serpent, but also uh, the serpent in the form that he had taken, uh, also now must change. Now, whether or not the serpent was walking around, uh, I don't know. Uh, It seems like it. It seems that he was upright and that there was uh, some sort of relation. Notice he is uh, cursed above all cattle. I've talked about this a little bit in the past with Job. Uh, But the serpent was characterized with the beasts of the field earlier in the chapter. And with cattle, uh, he's, he, wasn't, he wasn't listed as creeping things. Uh, he was listed as cattle. And so something was going on in there, and I don't know what that necessarily means, but maybe you do. Uh, but ultimately, he doesn't get to stay that way. Instead, he's going to go on his belly now. And so something has changed. And not only that, but uh, this serpent is cursed. In verse number 14, he now bears a curse. Now, uh, his, his answer is going to be that uh, the serpent itself is cursed. And, of course, you already had Satan was cursed. He was already cast out uh, of the third heaven. And you had that earlier in Ezekiel chapter 28. He says, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. The Lord's already going to bring him down even farther. Uh, but here the serpent is going to go ahead and get laid down. And he's going to get put on the dirt. And uh, he's going to have to eat the dirt. And he's cursed above all cattle. And he's down. And he's going to be on his belly. Uh, shalt thou go. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Uh, most of what a snake, uh, snake eats has dirt on it. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how it is. It's there in the dirt. And so he's eating it. He's eating dust all the time. Uh, he's there He's there on his belly, and he's going through the dirt, and he's eating dust all the time. Uh, amazingly enough, great picture to Satan. Uh, what does he want? He desired to have thee. And he walks about seeking whom he may devour. Well, we know the condemnation later to Adam is, uh, you're made from dust, and to dust shalt thou return. Isn't that funny? That Satan's looking to desire to devour you. He's looking around and he's looking for men to devour. And men are dust. That's what we were made from. If you don't get that, you should have been here last Sunday. I don't know how to make that any simpler with Brother Angus. But uh, you, you, we're dust. 
And the Lord, he says, the Lord remembers that we are but dust, the psalmist says. Uh, we're over and over again, and the devil is looking around. But ultimately, he is the physical picture. Uh, ultimately, is the snake, and he eats dirt. Uh, and that's what he does in the millennium. You know what is interesting? Uh, go over to Isaiah. We're going to come right back here. But Isaiah chapter 65 Isaiah chapter 65, one of the few verses on this, in fact, there's only, I believe, two, and they're both in the book of Isaiah, on the restoration of the creation back to what it was before the fall. Notice something interesting in verse 25, Isaiah 65, 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, right? Going back to eating herbs, that's, that's before... And he says, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. Well, he didn't change that curse. He didn't pull that one back. He kept that one. So the serpent is cursed above all cattle. He stays where he is. He doesn't get out from underneath that. He stays there. They shall not hurt or, nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. Uh, that's, that's all right down to... Uh, right down to the new the millennium and the millennial reign of Christ, of course, is the reference. Uh, but the serpent, he doesn't change what he gets to eat. He's still eating dirt. That's pretty rough. Uh, but that's the condemnation he takes, and he takes it all the way through. Uh, go back over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Pretty interesting. The serpent doesn't, doesn't get out from that curse. And you get to Genesis chapter 3, and... Uh, not only that, you have the very first uh, messianic prophecy that you and I have is in verse number 15, Genesis 3.15. The first prophecy to the Messiah and the promise that there is going to be a Savior that's going to show up is in verse number 15. He says, I will put enmity, enmity between the, thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, there's the messianic prophecy. There's going to be bitter hatred, enmity. Uh, it's bitter hatred between one set of seed, Eve's seed, and the serpent's seed. Uh, and the result is going to be that those two things are going to be at war. Uh, but Jesus Christ, of course, is going to prevail. Uh, this is, of course, a reference to the Messiah. It's a reference to Jesus Christ and the seed that's going to come. And it's the promise. Uh, and so then you get into Isaiah again, and he says, A virgin shall conceive. And she's going to bear a son. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And we understand who that is. That's Jesus Christ. And he comes through as the, as the seed of the woman. And Satan's constant is that he is going to try and, and do everything that God does. He's the mimic. He's the copier. He is the false one who's going to try and go ahead and, and copy it. So he has his own seed that's going to run. And you get, you get into that later, and I'm not going to get into too much of that. Uh, but the devil's seed comes out to be the Antichrist versus Jesus Christ. And the two go out, and it's going to be a question of who's going to win. And that's not really much of a fight later, but that's what it is. And ultimately, uh, not in the Garden of Gethsemane, no matter what Mel Gibson likes to put, is not the reference to thou shalt bruise his head. 
it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is not a reference to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus Hollywood making up weirdness. Uh, that's not how that works. Uh, instead, uh, look over look over at Romans chapter 16 will be one. Romans chapter 16, uh, verse number, oh, verse number 20. He says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> well, then I guess that hadn't happened yet. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Uh, there's something that's going to happen later. Uh, it's not, it's not, a, at Calvary, and it's not it, and they try to make all these things fit. Uh, ultimately, uh, we get into we get into the Psalms, and you get into uh, even the Book of Job. We talked about that serpent and the Lord going ahead and feeding His people, and He breaks the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and does all. There's a time when He's going to go ahead and take care of the problem. Uh, and I'm not going to get all the verses in this morning, but uh, you can go ahead and and start looking that up. And it's not it's not a question. Of uh, it's not a question of Jesus Christ going in the Garden of Gethsemane and just laying down his life and do that didn't bruise him. Uh, that took care that took care of a damage to Jesus Christ and his physical life, but didn't do much didn't do much to the devil that day. Uh, instead, the devil thought he triumphed that day. And they go well picture and the, some, you don't have any scripture to tell you that. And then it doesn't make any sense if he's telling them that the church is going to bruise his head shortly. And then you step into the tribulation period and he's getting his head broken. And then Jesus Christ shows up in Revelation chapter 19 and destroys him. And yeah, there you go. Uh, maybe have some scripture with it. Uh, back to Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to cover all that today. That gets a whole lot deep and it'd take me way too long this morning. So we're going to move on. Uh, ultimately, if you've got questions about that, you can... Call Pastor Legault. He's not here. Um, just give him a call. He'd want to. He'd love to have a conversation. He's missing everybody, so go ahead and call him and uh, be great. Uh, he is home. He is home with an ear infection, and Mrs. Legault is not feeling well. So everybody, all the Legault clan is home right now. All right, uh, but be in prayer for them. Uh, but feel free. You just call him, and he'll answer all that about Satan being bruised. Um, Genesis chapter three, and. <laughs> He can't say anything today. See, that's, I, got the, I got the spot on that. Uh, verse number 7, we opened with Adam and Eve, right? And so uh, that's ultimately the Satan's, Satan's course is going to be destruction. He's going to go to destruction. He'll be overthrown. Uh, there's, no, there's no even question about it. I love, every, I love every battle the Lord really has with him, uh, right? Revelation chapter 19, how's that fight go? Uh, there's, there is more verses on the preamble to the fight and getting everything ready than there is about the fight. There's one verse. The Lord goes, I just need one verse to take care of this. Don't worry, I'll tell you. And then you show up again, and there's more of a fight. He looses him from the bottomless pit. He lets him back out. The Lord had to let him back out, by the way. And he didn't escape. It's not like he was an escape artist. The Lord goes, I'll loose him for a little season and test mankind one more time. 
and he looses him, and everybody gathers together. There's more preamble to the fight, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's all done. He doesn't, there's never a real fight. In case you're curious, it's not a real fight. Uh, anyways, I'll get into that eventually. Um, verse number 7, here he is, uh, and now he's going to go ahead, and the consequences ultimately for Adam and Eve show up. And it starts in verse number 7, and he says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made their, themselves aprons. Uh, consequence number one, uh, their eyes were opened to the fact that there could be sin. They never saw that before. They were innocent. Innocence doesn't see something as right or wrong. It has no idea. And so they, they didn't know that. All of a sudden their eyes are open and they go, oh, we're naked. And they realize that, and so this new feeling of shame shows up. Because someone who's innocent doesn't feel ashamed. They don't. What do they have to be ashamed of? They have no clue they're supposed to be embarrassed. And so here they are, and now they're both ashamed. And then uh, he, he says uh, that they go ahead, and what do they do? Well, they know they're naked, so they sew fig leaves together to make themselves aprons. Uh, this is a great picture of mankind doing everything they can because, you know what, they are disgusted with the fact that they are no longer innocent and they attempt to cover their nakedness with their own righteousness. They try to do everything they can to cover up the fact that they are a sinner. Isn't that mankind? Mankind's constant is, well, yeah, but I'm not as bad as. <laughs> what are they doing? Just hoping some fig leaves go on. Just hoping to cover it up so nobody sees what I've actually done. If I can distract them from what I've done and point out somebody else who's worse than me, then it'll be fine. Doesn't work in front of God. Uh, always, always, always mankind has tried to cover themselves. Uh, they try to put good works so that they cover their sins, and it has never worked. It's never worked. There is not one spot in the entirety of the Bible that you will find where it says, if your good works will outweigh your bad works, you get passed a judgment. There isn't one. There isn't one that says, if you do anything good, it eliminates anything you've done bad. There's, there isn't one. You can't give me one. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so, well, how did religion get that idea? They got that idea because when they got to Revelation... All it says is that you'll judge every man according to his works. And they go, well, see, that's the scale between my good works and my bad works. That's not what it said. If you're sitting in a court of law, they don't care if you've been good over here. They only care if you're guilty of the crime you've been put on the stand for. And you know what you've done? You've committed the crime. And if you've committed the crime, you're going to pay the price for whatever that crime was. And it doesn't matter if you've given billions of dollars over here to all these great charities. It only matters that you went ahead and did this over here. That's the point. That's at least the way that justice is supposed to be. Justice is supposed to be the question of, what did you do? Not the entire portfolio and hope that these things will cover up those. That's never worked. It is a question of justice. And if God is just and he's holy then your good works outweigh and your bad works really doesn't do anything. That's not justice. 
Because there must be a price paid for the sin that is there. And we'll get to that in a moment. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saves us. There's nothing right we can do to take care of what we have done. Not, not some great, amazing, good work and we're going to go ahead and get... It doesn't eliminate it. It doesn't work that way. And there's not a spot you can find. In verse number, uh, in verse number 8, he says this, that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. And what do they do? Well, they hide themselves. They, they purposely hide. And they try to hide from God. Why? Because they've already died spiritually. The problem we have is that in Genesis chapter 2, when he says, thou shalt surely die, they said, well, I didn't die when I ate it. Yeah, you did. So what did they lose? They lost a relationship with a holy God that they didn't need to lose if they would have stayed pure. They didn't need to lose it. They made a choice, and the choice was, I'm going to go this way. So what did they lose? They lost fellowship with God and ease of access that they had right then. The Lord comes walking into the garden, and what does he ask? Where art thou? Isn't that a strange question for God to ask anybody? Hey, where are you? Doesn't he know? Of course he knows. He knows where Adam is. So why is he asking? Because he wants Adam to know, Adam, you used to walk with me. Now you're not with me. Adam, I'm still walking where I normally walk, and you're hiding. Because you've separated yourself from me. By what? By one transgression. Just one. Because it always only takes one transgression. Because all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. One transgression. He loses that relationship. You and I, when we, uh, we start out, you know what we are? We are dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were breathing. We had physical life, but we were dead in trespasses and sins. As soon as sin happens, death happens. You want to know why, you want to know why an innocent child has no idea what they're doing? They're innocent. Something happens. The Lord doesn't condemn them. Why? Because sin is not imputed when there is no law. They don't have any idea of what sin is. It can't be charged to them yet. I was alive before the law, then the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. <laughs> then what happened? Sin came to life, and it killed me. Because I now know that I've done something wrong. And as soon as that occurs, and the realization of sin and consequences and those things, well, then it's over with. And death has happened, and now there's a division between God and man. It happens in the personal life, but it also happens overall. It happened right here in the garden. And they go ahead, they've made their choice, and the Lord says, where are you? Adam, I hid. Why? Because I was afraid and naked. Wait a minute, who told you you were naked? Because I didn't give you that information. 
you realize the information gained was not information the Lord ever wanted them to have? Isn't it strange that I'm going to get a little off topic-ish. Uh, isn't it strange that all the information the world wants you to have is information God never would have wanted you to have? We made a great change in the church constitution like I don't know how many years now, three or four years ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when we did it. Uh, but it was, it was recommended to us by, uh, I believe, both the Christian Law Association and National Council for Christian... No. Something. Something. Uh, Brother Gibbs the Fourths. Uh, whatever, whatever that one is. Um, and uh, NCLL. National Council for Law and Liberty. There it is. Uh, they both recommended... Uh, stop adjusting your constitution to include all the words and things of what the world is doing with marriage and wickedness. And all these things are an attack on marriage. They said, you know what you do? Uh, you, don't want, you don't want to have to have your church people read about it and see all that list of gross, terrible, wicked, abomination, and you don't want that. And then if you have a kid who wants to join the church and they're reading, and you don't want them asking what that is. Uh, that's, that's not a conversation you want. And instead, you know what you do? You define what marriage is, and anything outside of that, it is not acceptable. That's pretty simple. And we went, and for years, that was the way everybody's constitution was. Everybody's constitution was like, uh, you know, it can't be a man and a woman, or it has to be a man or a woman, it can't be any, uh, you know, so we don't support homosexuality and blah, blah, and then down the list it went. And how wicked does that list have to be now? I mean, the world, the world is completely ridiculous at this point. Uh, it's, beyond, it's beyond normal insanity. Like, it was insane before, but now it is so grossly ridiculous that they can't even figure out if they're a man or a woman and if you go up and give them the wrong gender be, that they want to be identified as, their answer is, well, that's hate speech. You're, that is a, you know what they deem that? They deem that a violent act. What? <laughs> How is that a violent act? You walk up, the thing that you're looking at is supposed to be a man, and so you call it sir or he. And, well, that's violence against me. That's, that's ridiculous, is what that is. That's insanity. That is, I am now supposed to play into your psychosis? Okay, well then, let everybody out of the loony bin, because uh, that guy thinks he's George Washington, so he should be President of the United States. And maybe that's what happened. Anyways, I'm not, whew, that was close. almost let that one out all the way. Um... Let's get back to this before I get in trouble. Um, but the truth is, uh, mankind, you either are going to have the world continuously feed information into your life that the Lord never wants you to have, or you'll decide, I'm going to just go with what God wants me to have. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> you don't have to be... People, people say this, and I get... I get frustrated. Well, you, you know, you just, if you've never done those things, you just don't understand. Okay, probably, I guess. 
Uh, but the truth is, if, if you live right and you do it right, I don't need to know what that is. I don't need to know. You go, well, how do you help them? With a Bible. <laughs> I don't need to do what they've done to figure out that it was dumb and that it hurt them. And if they can't figure out that it's hurting them, well, then they need to go grab a Bible and figure out that's hurting them. And they need to go talk to somebody who knows more than they know about God. Because it's obvious it's hurting them. You don't have to go down the road that they went down just to figure out that they're wrong. You have a Bible that tells you that they're wrong. That's not a very difficult thing. Anyways, I'm going to get all off on that, and I'm going to pull back in again. And we're going to go to verse number 12. Uh, the Lord calls out Adam in verse number 11, right? And his answer is, in verse number 12, the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Now here's Adam. And Adam goes ahead and does what way too many people do. And you know what they do? They say that Daniel's getting a phone call. They say, that's what, that's what they say. Um, Daniel, they really want to talk to you. Um, and so here we are, and you know what you have? You have Adam looking at God and saying, the woman, so now I'm going to blame my wife, uh, but the woman that thou gavest, I'm going to blame God. God, it's obviously your fault that I have failed. There it is. Isn't that what you hear over and over again? Well, God, if you would have, that's a Calvinist view. Adam was the first Calvinist. God, you made me do it. And if you, wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have made the woman, I wouldn't have done what I did because I'm going to blame everybody else for what I've done. Uh, guess what? That is zero accountability. That is, the, that is the world you live in today. That is exactly what that is. And he's going, hey, uh, you gave me the woman, the woman's fault, and it's her fault, and she's the issue, and you can't do this. And God, it's your problem because you're the one who gave me the woman. And the woman looks around, right, and what does she do? She turns over and she says, well, it's the serpent's fault because the serpent showed up. And if he would never shown up, I wouldn't have done what I did. And then the serpent's just got nobody else left to pass it to. That's the problem for him. The problem for him is I have nobody else to blame. See, the thing that you get into is you can blame everybody all the time, but the truth is that you and I are responsible for our own actions. It has no, there is no question Mankind is responsible for each and every one of their own actions. Well, God had that happen. God had nothing to do with it. He gave them a free will and they made a choice. You look at the garden, what did he do? He gave them a choice. And then he told them the consequences of each choice. You can eat whatever you want to free of charge, no charge, except for that one tree. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know what it'll be? It'll be death to you. Thou shalt surely die. That's the consequences for eating that one. Go ahead and eat whatever else you like. And you know what mankind did? Mankind chose. And they chose, and they chose, and they keep choosing, and they keep choosing poorly. When Jesus Christ showed up and he paid the price for all of our sins, you know what you had? You and I had a choice. And you can either choose to accept him or not. And you literally have the choice. Right there. It is that simple. It's all the way back to the garden. You can either have fellowship with God and live forever, or you can die for all of eternity in a lake of fire. 
That's the choice. And you know what people do? Well, if I was raised in a different home. Well, if I would have just had a better upbringing. Well, you know, if I would have just had this, or if I would have just had that, or if, you know, maybe if uh, God wouldn't have just given me better parents, maybe if God would have just uh, given me, you know, a better neighborhood to live in, maybe if God would have, that's not God's fault. That's not God's fault. You really think that somebody on the opposite side of the world living in a country of oppression and complete and total utter chaos for them, uh, you think God's going to go, well, you know, I mean, you had a hard life, so I guess I'll just... No, you had a choice. You can choose. You get a choice. Over and over again, man has a choice. And we are living in a world today where people go, well, uh, you just have to give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and I don't really have any consequences, and I can do whatever I want to because everybody tells me that I'm right. Zero accountability. No, you need, you need to be accountable. Not only are you accountable to God, but you're accountable to everybody around you ultimately with the price of what was given to you. You're accountable, you're accountable to God to be a good witness, but you're accountable to them so that they have a witness. There's a little balance right there. And the problem that we have is that mankind always wants to blame everybody else for why they don't do. And it gets down to the devil. They blame God, they blame each other, they blame the devil. They'll do anything they can to get out of it. Just let me blame everybody else. If I can just blame everybody else, it'll be okay. Nope, doesn't work that way. It's on you. The consequences continue. He deals with the serpent in verse 14, 15, 16. He goes to the woman. He's going backwards up the list now. Y'all passed it down. I'm going to pass it back up, all right? And so here's the woman. And he says that uh, he's going to, verse 16, he's going to greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt, thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Uh, the woman gains sorrow and pain and difficulty in childbearing, and then she also is now placed ultimately in the submissive role of the wife. She is now, the husband will rule over you. That's, that's the role. Ladies, well, I don't like that. Okay, well, blame Eve. She messed it up for you. So how'd it work before that? I don't know, but I know this much. She's now in subjection right there. That's where it started. That's where it started. That's the first reference to it. And he shall rule over thee. And that's the way the Lord set it up. And the Lord set it up like that on purpose. And part of the reason for that is that the woman is the weaker vessel. She's now, she was subject to the idea of the suggestion and moved with emotion and feeling and all the other pieces. And so the Lord said, I got to, we protect her. And I'll put the man over the top and hopefully logic will prevail and we'll have some good decency and the two will balance each other out and all the other pieces that go along with that. And I can't cover all that because it's already seven after. And so you get into that. But what happens? Well, she's put in subjection. And she is pain and difficulty and struggle and childbearing. And then Adam, what does he have to do? Well, he has to work with a ground that is now cursed. In verse 17, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistle also and thistle shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face 
Shalt thou eat bread till thou return onto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so Adam now, he has to work with a cursed ground. He's got thorns and thistles. Uh, he's got to go ahead and everything that they do to survive is going to be by the sweat of their face, and there's going to be sorrow, uh, and ultimately death and dust. That's what he's going to go back to. That's, what, that's the condemnation. This is, this is the price that was paid from doing one thing wrong. People go, this is not fair. <laughs> no, he gave you the consequences. Cain kills his brother Abel, and what is his statement? Well, the punishment is more than I can bear. Well, then don't kill somebody. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, I don't like the punishment. Isn't that what happens to people with their sin? Talk, talk to Brother Larry dealing with the Hope Ministry and the guys that work over there, ladies that work over there, and the things they do. What? Well, it's not fair how much I'm paying for this. Really? If you and I got what we deserved, you and I would be in hell today and deserving every moment of it. But don't worry, what you're going through, you just don't deserve. Not until you figure out what you actually deserve. And then you find out the mercies of a holy God are still there. And He's gracious and He's merciful and He's long-suffering and He's plenteous and He goes ahead and takes care and meets the need. And we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, not only that, but the Lord has to cover them with clothes. Verse 21, He has to go ahead and uh, the cost is uh, most likely two lambs. And he kills, he kills them, He makes the sacrifice and He goes ahead and clothes them. Why? Because the clothing they tried to make for themselves isn't good enough. The, the, ultimately, the price you need paid has to be paid by God. He paid it. Those were his lambs. And he slayed those lambs to go ahead and give, give them clothes to cover up their sin, to take care of the problem. Because what mankind does is never good enough. There's a cost that goes along with sin. And the death of something innocent must take the place of something guilty. We'll get into that here in a second. Not only that, but verse 22 to 24, they lose the Garden of Eden. They don't get to stay there. Because they could eat the tree of life. And if they eat the tree of life, they'll live forever in a fallen state. Could you imagine living forever in this body, in this life? Now I know before the flood and the environment, and you can go all those things. But the truth is... Even then, I still don't, I, I don't know why you'd want to live forever in a fallen, fallen, wicked body. There's no reason to. The Lord was merciful when he kicked them out so that they wouldn't get to the tree of life. That's ultimately part of his mercy. Well, why can't we stay in Eden? Because you've tainted it. Because, because if you stay in Eden, you're going to live forever. You'll eat of the tree of life, you'll live forever, and you'll go ahead and live forever just the way that you are, and I can't have that. What would Adam and Eve be like if they were still alive today? Even the tree of life, they live forever. Wow. I don't even want to know how bad mankind can get so quickly. Anyways, who knows? Who knows what they'd be doing? But ultimately you find out uh, your memory verse, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to cover this quickly, I think. 
Romans chapter 5, ultimately the consequences are not just to Adam and Eve, they are to all of mankind. And no man liveth to himself, it's certain no man dieth to himself. Uh, you, you can't get around it. What you do affects somebody else, even if it's on a minor scale. But of course, in this case, there's two human beings living on the planet. <laughs> That's it. Say, so what's going to happen? Well, doesn't your sin affect your kids? Every time. Every time. Our sin affects our kids, and so what happens? Adam and Eve's sin obviously would affect their kids. Well, that's all of us. And so what happens? Well, for, you, you know the verse, verse number 12. I hope you know the verse, right? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Everybody sins, so everybody dies. That's the consequence. The consequence is that you and I are all born with a sin nature. We have a natural proclivity to sin. Naturally, we're drawn to it. We don't have to teach anybody to do the wrong thing. We're really good at doing the wrong thing. I, have, I don't even need to try and do illustrations with Uriah. That's not hard. He does the wrong thing over and over and over again. And he looks at me and smiles right before he does it. Just like your kid did. And why do they do that? Because they have a nature that pulls them that direction. And you have to teach them not to do those things. You say, what do you do? Well, you have to punish. So that they understand there's a consequence for not doing the right thing. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that what God had to do? And mankind has continued in their sin nature. And of course, we all know that the cost of that sin is ultimately death for all of eternity. Natural, it is natural to sin, but you're commanded to repent. He wants everybody to change direction. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We're commanded. Paul says it in Acts chapter 17 that we're commanded to repent. And so you and I, we have a choice. We have a choice ultimately to have physical death and have eternal death or to choose physical, have physical death and then have eternal life. The consequences for sin are still there. Death is still coming. You and I do not get out of it. Unless a trumpet sounds, you and I... We'll all, we'll all end up in a grave somewhere. If a trumpet sounds, we escape that, that fate and we get to leave. But the truth is, uh, there are only two people before us that have never died. And one of them's coming back to die. If you don't know who that is, you can ask Pastor Legault. Give him a call. No, you can ask me after. Uh, and one won't, he'll never die. He'll never die. Because he's a picture of you and I if a trumpet sounds today. You're saved in here. But the truth is, all the bad things that are in the world right now, people go, well, uh, why do bad things happen in a world? Why didn't God just keep everything good? Why doesn't God stop this from happening? And they go back to blaming God. And it's very simple. Because man kept choosing. It's terrible what happened to you. It's awful what happened. Did God want it to happen? No, God didn't want it to happen. But he didn't remove free will from mankind. He let him keep choosing. And because they've chosen, you know what you have? You have all the wickedness that shows up in a world. 
Well, why didn't God stop it? Because He won't remove free will. Because without free will, there's no worship. Without free will, there's no love. Without free will, there's no choice. Without free will, He does not get glory. You realize when God eliminates free will, you know what you, you have? You have no real love and no real worship. If there is no opposing from God, you now do not have a choice. You just choose Him because He's it. That's the real problem with Calvinism. The real problem with Calvinism goes, well, God's sovereign and so He's in control and He's got all these things. Yeah, but He doesn't get any real worship or glory when you eliminate mankind's free will to choose Him. Because doesn't that give the devil the idea, well, if they had a choice, they'd choose me? Don't some choose Him? They're choosing to worship Him. You hear it on the street corner. If you have never been out on a street corner, you haven't heard that, maybe. But if you've ever been on a street corner for very long, you know what you hear? Hail Satan and all the other craziness. What are they doing? They're making a choice. God gives them a choice. You don't get to blame God. Mankind has chosen and chosen and chosen and chosen and chosen. It got so bad in Genesis chapter 6 that God decided He'd wipe it out and try again. And mankind still chose wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. And they're still choosing wrong. Well, it's God's fault. How's it God's fault? He laid it out to start with, you have two options. Don't do this or you'll die. And mankind goes, I'll do that. And they've been doing that ever since. So how can a world get this bad? I'll tell you how. They keep rejecting who God is. The consequences that mankind has are going to be eternal consequences if they don't turn to Jesus Christ. The consequences, God had consequences he had to deal with. So what do you mean? Uh, he got to lose close relationship with mankind. That was what he wanted. And he looks down and he says, where art thou, Adam? Where'd you go? I thought we were close. The Lord lost his beautiful creation tainted by sin's curse now. You don't think that was, that was something he, he loved and the beauty that he had created and the way it was supposed to function and he lost it because man tainted it? Not only that, but because of mankind's sin, you know what else he lost? You know what else he had to do? He had to give his own son if he wanted to restore it. You know the real consequence for the Garden of Eden and the fall of mankind is the price of Jesus Christ. It's Isaiah 53, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes were healed. Say, so what consequences did God have at the Garden of Eden? He knew, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he gives the first proclamation of what he's ready to do. I've got a seed, and that seed is going to go ahead, and he's going to take care of this. He, he laid it out. Genesis chapter 3, he already knew what he was doing. He was just hoping mankind wouldn't choose the wrong answer. And they chose wrong, and he said, okay, i got a plan for that. But it's going to cost me my own son. 
You know, God does not deem sin a light thing. We look at sin and we go, ah, it's not a big deal. It's just a little white lie. One sin costs the death of God's own son. That was enacted in Genesis chapter 3. Well, he didn't come yet. Yeah, I know. He didn't come to, you know. I get it. 4,000 years of history go by and then he finally comes because he was waiting for the fullness of time and he had a timetable. You and I look around and we go, well, it's just a little sin. That's what Lot thought, or uh, yeah, that's what Lot thought, right? He's escaping. Angels are there. We got to get out. We got to go. Let's go. Let's go. He goes, well, can't I go over there? (laughs) It's just a little one. Can't I just go over to that little city over there? You can just kind of keep me there. And mankind keeps doing what it does because they forget the price that was paid. Christians continue to do what they do because they can't figure out the price that was paid. They go, oh, it's not a big deal. It's already paid for. Shall we continue in sin that grace might more abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I was wounded. Where? I was wounded in the house of my friends. That's the price. And man keeps doing what they do. And Christians keep doing what they do. Because they forget how much it costs. And it doesn't just cost them. It doesn't just cost their kids. It costs God Almighty. Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies and your compassions. And I thank you that you send your son to die for our sins. Lord, I pray you'd help me to preach with power and with clarity of thought and mind this morning that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up. I pray you'd be with Pastor Legault with the ear infection. Mrs. Legault, she's not feeling well. And we pray you'd just continue to strengthen and help them and bring them out on Wednesday night, Lord, that they'd be healthy. And Father, we just pray you would get the praise, the honor, and the glory this day. Father, some have talked about being here today, and I pray they would come. I pray, Lord, if they're lost, they would call upon Jesus Christ today. I pray you'd remove the obstacles, and Father, get people in, Lord, so they can hear the words of God today. We pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.